sure I got I'm, I'm in all the angles and so that I can sync it up later. All right, sounds good. <laughs> I got some intro music. Play out. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Crosstalk. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's do All this. All right. Uh, yeah, we're um, we still got some work to do on the studio here. It's uh, coming along though. It is. Yeah, we're we're in our new digs. That happened a couple months ago. Right. And uh, we we decided we were going to build this up because we wanted to produce a lot of content and. Got all the tech. I got all the tech in, but we still got some decorating to do. No, I got some shelves to build. Surprisingly easy good. to do since you did all the work. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Every time I come back from an event, there's, there's new stuff. There's it's just, great. Well, you've been busy. I, I've been a little yeah. busy. But uh, and so we wanted to record this while you were here, right? Because you're about to Go head again. off on the road, yeah. for for a while again. Um, but uh, I'll be back yeah. on weekends. So just come in and work on weekends. We'll be fine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Easy enough. That's it. <laughs> We're called 24-7 operation, baby. That's <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks for thanks for making the the large trek, the lengthy trek. From my office. From your office over yeah, here. That's, it's it's about 20 feet. Yeah. I, you know, there was traffic, but, you know, I cut through the traffic on the way yeah. here. So it's fine. Northern yeah. Virginia, you know how it is. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we all do. It's it's all right. Um. So yeah, but anyway, you're heading back out on the road um, here in just a couple days, right? Yep. And so wanted to get this first episode on the books with the boss man uh, before you were the boss man. Yeah, before you were back out on the uh, on the conference circuit. Yeah, um, it feels like a circuit these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we wanted to uh, to hear about where you were most recently, right? Right. And uh, for those who aren't aware, I should probably introduce you. Uh, this is Rich Kilmer. He's CEO, a uh, founder and CEO of Cargo Sense. Yeah. And hey, I'm Chris Shedder, and I'm a VP product. And uh, we're here chatting about. You were just up in Boston, right? We were in Boston the first part of this week. Yeah, just got back yesterday. So, who were you with? Where? where what conference were you at? Where? What were you talking about? And what's going on? Yeah, if you could. Uh, the. Um, conference we were at was the pharma manufacturing world summit uh okay. they, they do this annually um so it's pharma manufacturers which we aren't one of sure. however uh we were invited to actually speak with one of our customers merck on some of the work we'd been doing with them yeah. um for the last year and um you know they they had gotten approval from their legal for us to present with them All the right. work we're doing so we were up there uh, it was a Monday, Tuesday conference, uh, great conference, really interesting 
innovations that are happening in the pharmaceutical space, especially with personalized medicine. So lots of talks on that. Um, the challenges of that. Um, actually, uh, one of the the lead pharmaceutical folks that led um, Operation Warp Speed was there. Okay. Gave a keynote. Yep. Um, but interestingly, you know, uh, supply chain was never really the people that came and spoke, especially at a pharma manufacturing world summit. But we had the senior vice president of supply chain for Pfizer gave one of the plenary sessions um, on you know the learnings of of what they what they what they found out during what they called Operation Lightspeed, which mm -hmm. was their part of Warp Speed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they get the Star Trek metaphor, but it's fine. Uh, so the um, but what was interesting about the Pfizer presentation is he said. During Lightspeed, they moved 40,000 shipments of product in a very short period of time. Sure. Right? Short being a year and a half, I guess. But it's, you know, billion-plus doses of, of product because these are, these are freight shipments, which is normally what we do. Um, our talk was a little different this year. Um, you know, our talk was on um, the... Um, Specifically, yeah, yeah. Well, so you, you can just, just flip over here. This there you go. Yeah, so I have some slides. Um, our talk was on a part that we normally don't deal with at CargoSense. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're normally working on automating um, supply chain or simplifying auto, uh, supply chain operations through automation, um, you know, based on measurement, right? So we ha first have to have measurement. A lot of that, is, especially on the freight side, is with sensor data. Mm -hmm. This was a little different. So <laughs> Merck had a little bit of a different kind of challenge they move uh about a million annual shipments of of refrigerated small parcels that have vaccines and other things in them out to doctor's offices directly so sure. uh, this is not typical um most of the time a parcel goes from a distributor out in this instance merck takes direct orders for a lot of their products uh, they ship it directly through 3pls but that manage it but they have three different origins. Um, but what's interesting is this million shipments this is in a year, right? So they're annual shipments. And remember, I just said Pfizer was gloating about 40,000 shipments in a year and a half. This is a million shipments a year. Right. And yes, they're parcel. Do that twice a month, basically. Like that volume. <laughs> yeah, that volume. Yeah. No, that, that volume once a month. Sure. 80,000 a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. They, in two weeks. Yeah. yeah it's craziness. Right. Anyway, math is hard. Well, this um, but, time in the morning, yeah. Yes, I know. It is. Uh, but no, they have 50,000 def destinations. That's the crazy thing, right. right? And the challenge here was, what can we do about parcel? Sure. Can we do anything with parcel? How can we automate the supply chain uh, of, of parcel delivery? Is there anything we can do about it? Mm -hmm. um, when, when problems arise, how do we deal with them? That, that sort of thing. And so we started looking into this uh, starting last summer, really. Um, you know, working with their IT organization to get data from them on this, uh, and then started because of this scale, you can't really afford to put real time sensors on a million parcels a year. No, it's kind of expensive. It's rough, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, things rarely happen. They happen, and at this volume, even rare is impactful because these these products are, you know, six to. $50,000 inside one of these parcels. These aren't necessarily cheap, right? So you don't want to lose any of them. Their goal is to never lose a dose, right? That's one of their, you know, from um, supply chain side. Yeah. So I was speaking with um, 
Timothy Elliott, who's the executive director of supply chain for Merck in North America. And this is, by the way, only North American parcel. Mm-hmm. So they, they ship more, vastly more than this worldwide. So this was the uh, thing that we were trying to, to solve for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then the question was, how do you start analyzing this data? Sure. And that was what, you know, it was, it was, it was really interesting. So if you, if you think of this as, you know, in the typical freight way of thinking of things, right. especially on the pharma side, they have lanes, right? So mm-hmm. they define a lane as an origin destination pair. Um, and, and then kind of inside of that origin destination pair. So let's say, um, you're shipping from a particular pharmaceutical to a distributor, like a McKesson, um, when they're shipping from their plant to that McKesson facility, they'd say, okay, we're going to ship a temperature control product, like refrigerated product or frozen product or non-refrigerated product. Each of those is actually a lane. So a lane also includes the temperature conditions upon which that 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 freight has to be maintained. Yeah. Um, so, you know, typically you hear of a large pharmaceutical distribution network, they might have four or 500 lanes. So if you think you have three origins and 50,000 plus destinations, you have 150,000 lanes and you multiply that times the number of temperature control products. And you actually have more like 450,000 distinct lanes. Sure. That that's a really complex network. It is. Um, but here's the real challenge. If you're trying to analyze that, you can sit there and go, well, let's look at all the, um, all of the shipments that we did from this origin destination. And the number ends up being like three or four. That's it. Mm-hmm. Over the course of a year. Not a really representative sample. No, and it's hard to do analysis with three or four pieces of data, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. especially because these are being shipped via the standard parcel carriers, right? So your FedEx, UPS is that sort of thing. And so as that's moving from origin destination, you only have three or four a year, there's going to be variability in there. And so if you just look at it as an origin destination, you just don't have enough data to analyze it. Um, so we started, but, but realized kind of early on that you actually do have measurement, especially from these standard carriers. And that is that it's not just a truck that picks stuff up and drops it off. There's things that happen in the middle. So what happens here, this little picture you just see that what happens is these these trucks are picking them up and dropping them off at their stations, right? So sure. you're you're you know you're going from a truck from station A and then a truck to B, then C, then D, then E, then final delivery. And this might seem like a lot of stops. Some of these things, like we get nine stops before it gets to the destination. So when you look at the data we ran, and we only did this on the on like a the first couple of months of data, so we have about two hundred thousand of these shipments. Mm-hmm. What's really neat about these events from these carriers is they come out in real time. So when something leaves origin, gets picked up, you actually don't know where it's going to go, right? I mean, that's part of the problem. But then if you were to look at, say, a FedEx tracking number, you would immediately say, oh, it, it arrived at this station in, say, Herndon, Virginia, right? So we, it got picked up at our office in Reston. It ended up in Herndon. And then from Herndon, it ended up at Dulles. And then from Dulles, and you, you could imagine, right? It just... But you see these stops of what happens, and those events actually come out as soon as they're systematically delivered at those parcel carriers. Right. Which, well, what does that mean? Well, and so this is actually, as we started looking at this in aggregate, we realized that although there's very few shipments from, say, an origin to a destination, there's a lot of shipments that happen between, say, A and B. Mm. 
right? From say Herndon. Yeah, some to connections Dulles. in the network are basically thicker than others. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and as a matter of fact, from a particular origin, they almost always go to say A, right? Sure. Maybe B, depending on what carrier they're using, right? Um, you know, sometimes uh, you know, if they're leaving uh say um, you know, uh, near Indianapolis, it might go to Indianapolis if it's going to be air, might be driven down to Louisville, right? So if it's UPS, might be driven down to Louisville. Uh, so there are splits that happen. You don't know. But once it hits A, the transit from A to B, there's lots of those. There's lots of dwells in A and B and mm-hmm. C. As a matter of fact, some of these locations have as many as, you know, 40, 50,000 dwells. Now, when you start getting into numbers like that, but even when you get into thousands of dwells, you start to see patterns. Sure. And and that's really when we're talking analysis. You get to looking, like statistical significance. It's very statistically yeah. significant. And we realize that with this, we can model things. Mm-hmm. And the question becomes, what are we modeling? The other thing that we realized when we looked at the data is that the transits between, say, A to B, are really consistent time-wise. The time it takes a truck to travel from A to B, pretty consistent, unless a truck breaks down. Now, the other events you get out are carrier exceptions, right? So if a truck does break down, you actually get an exception in real time mm-hmm. out of those networks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, can, you can know that. But those were pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, you, know, the, um, you know, you might get aircraft delays and things like that, but most of the time, these transits are incredibly consistent. The variability happens in dwells. Mm. So, you know, depending on when you get to a facility, what time of day you get there and where you're going, there's actually patterns in that data. So so you're you're saying that the once once a once something leaves a facility and it's on its way to the next hub, that's usually that's far more reliable. Yep. Then and you're, we're seeing most of the variability is happening then when it's sitting in one of these stations. Exactly. Yeah. And most of the time it's at rest. Mm. So these these parcels need to get to their destination in two days. The packaging actually lasts about um, well four to five days. Sure. Depending so on what these are temperature control packages, yeah. right? So I didn't get into it too much. But these are temperature control packages. They have. They're thermally insulated. They have these refrigerant in them. It's called phase change material that keeps the product either frozen or refrigerated or at an ambient control temperature. So these these boxes aren't like your run-of-the-mill boxes. These aren't your run-of-the-mill styrofoam boxes. These are really high-end things to protect the product. However, because the variability in this dwell, Mm -hmm. and, and especially with things like weather delays, you can have dwells that are 36 hours. If you're supposed to get something from origin to destination in 48 hours and you're dwelling for 36 hours, obviously you're you got not a making, problem. You're not making yeah. that date. Now, the product could still be good because the box lasts longer than that, but you're putting the product at risk. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, we can't control the route. As a matter of fact, when something leaves A, we don't know where it's going, right? Sure. So we get an event that it left A, we don't know where it's going, but when it gets to B, here's what's interesting. If we see a lot of dwells at B, we can actually build analytic models. Here, we're going to employ machine learning models, actual neural networks that statistically discover the patterns of the way those facilities, those hubs operate. Mm -hmm. 
when something arrives from, say, Louisville to Greensboro, North Carolina, on this day, I'm sorry, this day of the week, at this time, and it's going from there to some other place, how long will it dwell there, statistically? You get thousands of shipments, you can actually model that out. And, and we have done that. And, yeah. um, you know, the other thing that's really interesting is some of these facilities don't actually, I mean, say UPS is, doesn't transport anything on Sundays. They just don't move, right? The trucks don't drive on Sundays. Sure. But um, in some of the facilities, nothing arrives or departs on Mondays. Those aren't shipping days. For, for specific. For specific facilities, yeah. which you don't know, right, until you're there. So if you arrive on, say, a Sunday or Saturday night in Greensboro, you're not leaving until Tuesday. That's a problem. So one, one thing I wanted to, to touch on real quick was um, the, just in all of this, the fact that all this data is actually available. Yeah. It's, you, you know, it's not easily available. It's that there's some work in getting it all in one place or, or, but it's not, it's like, it's not, the chore here is not in like, oh, we have to figure out a way to measure this necessarily. Correct. Like the, the data's there. The the issue is like at a scale this large, you you can't just throw people at it and say, put no. all of this in a spreadsheet or something. And there, there's just, there's too much manual effort to get to the, to the point where, un, unless you're using a system like ours, right? Yeah, no, I mean, this has to be systematic. Yeah. It cannot be based on humans. I mean, we did the... We did these looking at patterns, right? So this is part of the way we approach any problem is really trying to understand the problem, mm -hmm. trying to understand the customer's need. What is the gap between where they are today and where they want to be, right? Yeah. They don't want to lose any dose. Great. which And you're going to lose a dose by it being delivered too late. That's how you're going to lose a dose. It's not actual losses in the package's loss. I mean, that happens rarely, but it happens. Yeah. But it's lost because it got there too late. And they have checks in place to be able to prevent, obviously, their consignees, their receivers of these doctor's offices of using product that gets there too late. They don't want to lose that dose because drugs are incredibly, it's not just valuable, but they're important to the patient, right? I mean, you know, ultimately, if, if that doctor doesn't get those vaccines, they cannot vaccinate people. Right. So there's, there's real ramifications for non-delivery. You know, for, for non so they don't want to lose this dose. Um, but you're absolutely right that the data was available, but it's the way you look at it. Now, if you look at the way we've always approached this, we approach things on measurement and we looked at this data and said, how can we turn this into measurement? Well, it ends up that if you, if you think of a dwell as a location, you can synthesize a dot on a map, right? Uh, it's in Louisville. Mm -hmm. I don't care exactly where it is in Louisville. I care it's in Louisville. Sure. So we can do things like synthesize a geolocation in Louisville. And then when something leaves, we synthesize a geolocation just outside of that geofence, right? Well, something that sensors would do, but sure. we can do this with this data. So we were able to bring all of this into our production uh, visibility OS, the CargoSense visibility OS, and uh, be able to, to do the same type of analysis that we do on every shipment. Now, the one thing that we we miss in this is what about the temperature of outside of this? In other words, the we call it the thermal envelope, all right? Um, a lot of the shipments we traditionally do, we have sensors on the outside of freight. We're trying to determine that handling is being done right, no different than here. Yeah. 
Um, but part of that is measuring the outside of that freight to be able to say, um, you know, is the outside of temperature putting this product at risk too? Mm -hmm. So although these are insulated products, if they get too hot on the outside, it will melt it. It will melt the refrigerant, right? Sure. You know, accelerating the decline of the product inside mm -hmm. and potentially putting it at risk, thermal risk, not just time risk, but thermal risk. How do you know that? Well, these boxes that, that Merck happened to use um, from a company named Aerosafe, they're amazingly designed boxes. And they actually have a temperature recorder on the outside. It's not a real-time device, but it's recording temperatures, a logger. Yeah. And they can bring that data in at the end. That's what loggers are. But how, do you, how does that help you when it's in progress? It can't really, mm -hmm. right? So um, what we did is we took uh, for about 10,000 of those shipments, we actually looked at this and said, is there something we can do to say, get environmental data on what's happening to things on the outside? So one of the things that we did is we, we pulled the National Weather Service data for these dwells. Okay. Right, so you have thousands of dwells. You pull the National Weather Service data in those same time spans, and we compared it to the temperature of what the box had, right, from its data recorder at the end. We compared them hour to hour. It ends up being almost exactly the same temperature. Okay. Meaning that the boxes are experiencing the outside weather. Meaning that they're actually not inside the warehouse. They're usually sure, inside or, of yeah. a trailer. Yeah. Right? Or if they're they are inside the warehouse, the ambient temperature outside is affecting the, 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 the inside they temperature. They aren't like they aren't keeping it at a perfect temperature control. Yeah, but, right but, all the time, but, but they actually don't dwell inside the warehouse. Warehouses yeah. are sorting facilities. Sure. So they take things in, they put them in another trailer. Oh, they're yeah, effectively yeah, yeah. Right. always in a trailer. Sure. <laughs> they're inside Which makes the, sense yes. for a parcel network, right? Correct. Yeah. So because they're always in a trailer, they're always experiencing that outside weather, which means that in real time, we can grab the weather data mm -hmm. at a location when we're dwelling and say what kind of thermal risk is, say, the dwell at B incurring on this freight right now, mm. on this parcel. Um, combining those two things allows us to build a digital twin of every single parcel that's being shipped in real time. Right, so now this gets to our core platform of what we do in our visibility OS. We want to build a digital twin. Measurement is based on carrier events, yep. and the events tell us where things are at, and then we, we, we grab environmental data by pulling the weather service data mm -hmm. in real time, building a digital twin that's telling you exactly what's happening at these facilities. And then we, we put on top of that our digital agent, and that agent's job is to ensure that that freight isn't being stuck or I'm sorry this in this instance parcel so used to freight um yeah. this parcel isn't overdwelling and we learn that through what we said we analyze what a particular facility is going to do we determine whether that's overdwelling and we can raise an exception we can email the courier right or the you know the carrier and we can email customers mm -hmm. no human involvement right so we can have this agent actually handle um, these low-level exceptions. And, you know, when something gets, you know, totally at risk, then it can elevate to where people need to be involved. Hopefully that's a fraction of shipments. But the key is every single shipment is being overseen by these agents. Right. Now, where Merck wants to take this is go even one step further, which is 
if we know all of this, these are shipments being overseen in real time, right? By these agents that oversee the digital twin of that shipment. They want to have an agent that says, okay, well, based on everything we know, shipping from this origin to that, maybe that destination or maybe that destination zip code area, um, of all the, the, the two pack, you know, uh, parcel carriers that we've used, what is the best day of the week to ship it on? What is the best origin to ship it from? They have three origins. What is the best carrier to use? Mm -hmm. And what is the best service level agreement to use to balance cost and risk? And we can even predictively look at temperature to be able to say, yeah, look at the forecasts, right? The thermal, thermal risk. So, you know, the first step is the active oversight of a shipment, which we do classically with freight every day. We do this not just for pharmaceutical companies. We do this for, um, you know, uh, you know, high-value goods, um, prefab construction equipment, um, you know, uh, devices, high-value electronics, things like that. They all have different kinds of constraints. In this instance, this agent is basically at the front side of that saying, this is how you should ship it. Sure. Right? So it's using everything that we've learned before to say this is how you should ship it, minimize risk, and reduce cost. The cost savings in this is enormous because if you can move things to ground instead of air it's not just a cost savings but it's a sustainability impact Mm -hmm. moving something from air has a much better uh, bigger sustainability impact right Um, environmental impact than moving it by ground so uh, on that point are are, so kind of uh, a part of what we're tackling here is that uh this tendency to both overpack but also kind of overship to make sure that right. that to be certain correct that okay i send this on its way and it's going to get there and it's going to be good and so i may send something air just to be safe because i don't i don't want to take the risk or i can't it's too difficult for me to calculate the risk and be uh comfortable right with with that and so you're saying uh if we can if we can apply this modeling then we can say yeah, you're usually sending that error, but you could actually probably send it ground through this path and it's going to be just as risky or the, the or risk lo- is going to be commensurate, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And But we're talking about not just a savings of, of monetary shipment savings. We're talking about a carbon footprint savings sure. that is very large. Yeah. So the ability of actually decreasing the carbon footprint of what it takes to move these things because they're already using uh, reusable packaging. These packages are reusable. They come back, they reuse the packaging. Um, so they're reusing the, the the thermal boxes, all of that stuff, lowering their 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 um, their carbon footprint there. But but also in the means of shipping. I mean, ground based shipment. You know, a truck carrying thousands of parcels is way less of a carbon impact than an airplane moving these things, right? But yeah. sometimes you need a plane. Right. So just depending on where you're moving. But the key is they're trying to minimize both of these things, trying to balance it all. And this is really transformative. And, you know, you know, from what's exciting about this is we were able to take our visibility OS and, um, you know, and, and actually utilize our digital twins and digital agents to solve, in this case, a parcel problem at a scale that is simply enormous. Now, they will even want to take it one step further than that. Part of this was kind of a call to action for their other pharmaceutical um, compatriots that were there. Sure, um, They would offer their data of their individual shipments and these dwells and everything to pool that data 
within our platform anonymously, right? So we don't know what's being shipped or, or the other folks don't know what's being shipped from Merck or the other. But if we pool that data, then collectively, pharmaceutical companies can map out these networks, right? Using an automated system to be able to do this across the board. They don't compete on logistics. Yeah. They compete on drug development, right? right? Building different kinds of treatments for patients. Everybody has the same aim in this area. Saving money, yeah. reducing carbon impact, um, you know, being able to reliably, you know, deliver their products and not lose a dose, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same for every company. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of interest in that. So, you know, that's something that we're going to be working on as we deploy this, uh, not just nationally in the U.S., but, you know, across their global networks. We will expand this across global networks. This worked just as well internationally and does domestically. Um, we're going to be also working with other pharmaceutical companies to try and pull this data together so that everyone benefits yeah. from these shipments, yeah. right? Even smaller players, right? So if you're one of those innovative um, pharmaceutical companies that are developing personalized medicine or, or some kind of thing that you're not a Merck scale company, you'll still be able to benefit from Merck scale learning. Sure. Right. By right. participating in the same right. network. And so there was some interest from some, some smaller players. I mean, these are still, you know, five, $600 million, billion dollar companies. They're small just not, as a relative term. They're just not yeah. $260 billion companies, but <laughs> yeah, but no, it was, it was great being at the, the conference, uh, learning a lot about the manufacturing processes of what they were doing. Yeah. And then of course, how, our um, approach and our solutions can actually help meaningfully impact this industry. Right on. Yep. So, uh, wh where where are you headed next? Because you're you're back on the road, as we said at the at the top, but you got some more conferences to attend. Yeah. So I've I've got another um, uh, bio bio manufacturing summit in Europe. It'll mm -hmm. be going to Berlin. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, actually been invited to the, um, uh, the, a conference down in Florida right after I get back from Berlin, um, where we're going to be presenting on, um, with some work we're doing with, uh, with, with, with DHL, uh, in, yeah. in helping them being able to over automate the oversight of their freight oriented shipments in their, um, temperature controlled you know, solutions for mm -hmm. the pharmaceutical industry, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll be actually presenting in, in an IATA conference. So it'll be for the IATA. It's an IATA company, um, trying to help educate the airlines on the kinds of technologies that can help impact their businesses. So I'll be doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I'll, then I'll be coming back. So I have a small break in between there. I, I have a couple of days off, so I'll, I'll this, be, this, I'll, is a, this is yeah, a tiny break. Yeah. Going back home and being able to see some of California. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, we'll, we'll miss you. Well, but, uh, you know, car carrying the flag. Just come on right? weekends. I'll be here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um, and yeah. And, and then so uh, middle of next month, we're having kind of a big com company summit. We're having right. kind of like a, a little ribbon cutting ceremony here too. Yeah, for and Fairfax that, County yeah. is coming. Yep. Um, so that'll be ribbon fun. Care. Yeah. For our office. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful space. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, I think the, you know, coming from California, we had somebody here from one of our customers uh, who's um, from the um, uh, from the Mountain View area, we'll say, um, and they looked out our windows from our office here, and they're like, "Wow, this looks like Mountain View." Mm -hmm. And we're like, "Yeah, except it's all green here, a lot more than <laughs> it is out there in California." Yeah. Uh, although right now it's very green in California because of all the rain they've had, but 
no, it's uh, a beautiful area. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, being able to have all of our virtual company come together mm -hmm. physically um, and uh, have that ribbon cutting ceremony. That'll be in, yeah. I think, the 12th. Right? I, that, yeah. that sounds right. Yeah. 12th of June. Be, so. be cranking content out of here, too. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah, the whole team. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I think that's that's probably uh, probably good for the first episode, man. No, it'd be awesome. So thank you for this. Uh, thanks for putting the work into putting this space yeah, together. No, it's, been, and, it's been a good time. Yeah. We'll yeah. be doing this often. Yeah. All right. A lot more. All right. Thanks, Rich. Yep. Take care.